Welcome to UberCube, the podcast where we discuss all things cube, but with refreshments. This is your host, Anthony Adams, a.k.a. UberBear, and my co-host... At JustDoMTG. At Just... I'm, I'm going to be plugging the socials. All right. So, anyways, uh, I'm in the middle of a play. If you don't mind, just please don't interrupt me. I've got to get it pushed through. All right. So, <laughs> what I'm going to do, I'm moving to my step. I'm going to go ahead and go to step two of my fable of the Mirror Breaker. Okay. Discarding Archon of Cruelty to my yard. Uh-oh. Casting Shallow Grave. Ouch. Why would you do that? I'm not a nice person. Chill MTG just recently did this on his uh, YouTube channel, and it is completely adjacent to both this episode and our previous episode, Dig em Up. So I decided I wanted to give a shout-out to these excellent videos. I will be sharing his... Uh, his information in our show notes. Awesome content yes, creator. Fantastic content. So before we even get going, I wanted to give that out because, I mean, his recent video, oh my gosh, it's pretty much play-by-play what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> but before we go any further into the topic, we're going to do the thing that we always do here at UberCube, and we're going to enjoy our libation slash refreshments of we the are. episode. What do you have in today, Stu? So I've got my usual. I got my Guinness. Yeah. So if you like went you to- know, but- you, you as look, you can see, and I'm going to do this as we're doing this recording, right? If you went to the restaurant and you said, I want my usual, they're not going to bring like, I don't know, a ham sandwich. They're going to bring a Guinness. They're, they're going to bring a Guinness, at least the places and that I go to. But you know what? They're not going to bring it in. They're not going to bring it in this sensational Ooh. glass goblet. It's goblet. It's very Game of Thrones, It is a guys. goblet. Exactly. This is like, I don't right play now. D&D, yes, but I can imagine bar- if I did. Stu is very Baratheon right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to be a lot simpler. I'm going to drink out of a cold can of Sweetwater Highlight Locale Easy IPA because I'm watching those calories, folks. That's Let's right. go ahead and crack this up. That's right. All right. Let's get into the topic for today. All right. So tell us about what this art is that we're discussing today. All right. So Sun Tzu is not the only one that has a grip on this situation. We're going to be discussing the art of the discard, mm-hmm. not of war. <laughs> That's yeah. a later episode. It is. It's a later episode. We'll get into the art of war later. We're going to talk about a very challenging line of play for both new players and a very complex line of play or an ideal or an idea system that can make your cubes more dynamic, more interesting, more, more player agency, more depth to them. And instead of just, instead of just your traditional cantrips, like your ponders, your preordains, yep. kind of the easy, I just want to draw a card type situation, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to go into the thing that makes people cringe a little bit and, uh, it's okay. It's, I would say, Stu, would you agree this is probably one of the hardest things to learn when you become a Magic the Gathering player? I would agree, and I would say that it's one of those things that when I was a newer player, I looked at it, I was like, man, that is... I almost. It wasn't that I was sort of scared of the power level, or I was almost scared of having to make the decision, the decision. of what card or... Like, and not only do I have to discard one card yes. with some of these cards, I might have to discard two cards. And I'm not about putting cards in the graveyard. I want to I want to be casting and my for spells. For me as a player, when I first started playing Magic the Gathering, it felt more like I should be going through like steps, like ladder rungs, increasing step one, step two, step three. What I mean by that is that's how I'd be tilting my mana to go up to the next thing on the curve before I even knew it was a curve. I think that's an experience uh, thing uh, more yeah. than anything, right? Because you do, jump through it. Yeah, you start to learn that, you know, the, I think the more that you play, the more you realize that the game isn't as linear 
as it's kind of designed to be. Yes. You know, one mana turn one, two mana turn two, you yes. play your two drop into your three drop, so on and so forth. The more that you start to play, especially in, you know, a high power environment, be it cube or whatever else, there's so many lines of play where, as we've talked about in previous episodes, like the sort of the natural linear style that I think organically can make the game, you know, sort of progress at a certain pace, right? You're breaking it. You're trying to break it in in lots of crazy it doesn't ways. Feel, it doesn't feel natural in the game. It doesn't. Like drawing a card for, like we said before, a cantrip feels safe. Uh, I, I pay the cost. I get to get an extra card off the top of my library. And yeah. It goes into my, my wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Discarding is completely in opposition to that idea. Pitching something to either gain something yep. or to move forward in, into a future play. It's very, for me, it's very adjacent to like, um, I play a lot of, I like to play pool. And so does Stu. And whenever you, when you shoot the cue ball into your next object ball, you're also thinking two or three balls ahead Correct. as to what your next object balls, where, exactly. where you want that cue ball to reside. Yep. Opposed to when we first started playing pool, you and I, it was straight line. <laughs> I'm working with my son on this. Shoot the ball in. It's the easiest to hit. Yep. Right. Put it in the pocket. Maybe you've got another shot. Yeah. It's it's worry. Does that seem adjacent to this? A hundred percent. It's like taking it a ball at a time, or a card at a time, or whatever. Right? You're not thinking two, three, four balls or turns or yeah. whatever ahead. So the You're thinking the, the next. The, play. The part of the discard is kind of the mastery of planning steps ahead yes you're, you're building up to something it yeah could be, it could be a singular turn ahead it could be three or four turns ahead exactly and, and that that level of complexity and pitching something also is very risk reward oriented yeah. because you are subject to and we talked about in the previous one anything that gets I mean, the scoozes of the world mm-hmm. you've endangered yourself you've now opened up knowledge to your opponent and put it into the a public zone yeah, a public, it's a in a public, public zone, zone. It it's not in your grade it's not in your hand sorry it's not in your library. Yeah, right? it's very adjacent. Not in a private... I'm going to overly unknown. use the word adjacent in this one, but mm-hmm. it's also very in that in alignment. We're going to switch to alignment. That's another fun word. I like that. So we're going to go with synonyms today. It's an alignment with the idea of the poker episode that myself and Christian did. We talked mm-hmm. about the knowledge on the river versus the knowledge that you contain within your hand. Discard is now putting it pseudo in the river. Correct. Talk about the Texas Hold'em analogy. That's right. Right? All right. So a couple of, we've got some bullet points that I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'll step through the bullet I points. We'll kind of do some talking out on the bullet points and we'll move through them. Adds player agency to the cube environments. This card creates a, a, a unique dynamic to the environment. That's not so linear as, you know, like Stu said, tapping mana, do the thing and or playing the card that says I draw a card to add to my knowledge bank. And I would also say as well, and I'll go back to a little bit of history. When I first got into playing Magic, I was playing Modern. I was playing Mono Green. I had right. a Stompy deck, right? All I was doing was putting creatures down and turning them sideways. There was absolutely no hand like sculpting or anything like that. I was at the mercy at the top of my deck every single turn. There was right. no way for me to make any adjustment to how the the you know the the hand was going to be, you know, or what card I was going to draw, right? It, it was it just very that. safe to play that way when you're 1v1 against an opponent on that equal level until you sit down across from an opponent that has understand how to master the art of hand sculpting and manipulating their deck and then also understanding how to use their graveyard as a secondary deck. Exactly. Right? It's and true. think about it just from a, a, a super straightforward perspective, right? How many times have you played a game and you lose at the end and you're like, man, those draws I had right at the end were really, really rough. And then you kind of flip up the first like 
two, three, you four, never, five you, you know cards. You, you, know you, never look, you right? do though. You Everyone look. looks. Oh yeah, so that's everyone looks. When yeah, you've drawn you five lands whenever, in a yeah, row, you also don't you do that whenever look. whenever you actually decide to not take the hand <laughs> and you want to go for your second scry version. You never look at that top card. You will you will put sadness on the stack and be like. Ah, there it was. There it's was, a field. There was soul ring. It's, a it's all bad. I needed to get. But ima- but then you imagine, like, man, if imagine if I had a way to like dig that little bit deeper, yes, right, it, to dump those cards that I don't want, and that's when I started to think, man, how cool would it be? I don't care if I got to dump cards but, even out of my hand. Like yeah, these are the cards that weird, I'm, I want. Natural way of uh, well, I have I have seven cards in my hand. What would what would make me want to have six? It feels weird because you think that having these five or seven or holding that grip and moving through that linear gameplay, that very step one, step two, step three oriented yep. gameplay is kind of where we all started in Magic. I would agree But with as that. we progress, we begin to challenge ourselves and you're like, I'm going to try out a little discard. I'm going like to get- try something a little weird. And normally I, I would say that probably the Leapfrog or the first stepping stone a lot of times yeah. is complex is probably Reanimator. Just using Commander as an example, that's the first time sure. people start stepping off that ledge a little bit and they're like, all right, I'm going to put this thing in the bin, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quickly snap it back. I'm going to bring it back, right? Yeah. You don't normally just step up to the Snapcaster Mage level of play. That begins. That's developing even further down that. that yeah, I would that agree that level. some of those, you know, and we can talk about like, you know, I'll go back to that that modern deck, right? That Stumpy right. deck. It played in two zones. It played my hand and the and and the battlefield. That was it, right? right? I wasn't the the top of my library was just I was at mercy of it. But really, what was in the graveyard, I didn't care about, right? And right. the more advanced that you start to get into decks, that's when you're going to have to start thinking about those zones and the more and and the, just the more complex decks. So we've kind of we've kind of covered. There's some questions that we're going to pose out there, and we're going to answer them as we move through. It'll be like how, when, and why would you ever even want to discard something, right? Yes. And we'll move through that. The other thing is primarily, and it does cover the entire pie, but primarily you'll find the cards are going to be the most structured around the idea of discard are going to be in the mm-hmm. Grixis subset. It's going to be your blue, black, red. Oh, there yes. are going to be some, you know, unique situations, obviously. Uh, it's going to, as we said before, it's going to build into the idea of hand sculpting. And mm-hmm. what I mean by hand sculpting is it's you don't always start out and open up that fresh pack with that god hand. You try to build that god hand. We're trying to remove... Um, Variants. Variants from the game, and you're that's doing right. it. You're doing it in a system that's based on variants, right? But of course. And you're trying to break that random draw by doing this. Well, and put it this way, right? You, we talked about. I have a, an EDH deck. Tassiger right. is the general. Yeah. Right, and I do. You know, don't judge me for this, but I do have the two card combo. I have with, exact judged it. Yeah, I know you have. It's so right? fun. But so fun. Imagine if there was a card <laughs> that was like. Draw 50 cards, yeah. discard 48 cards. Kevin would play that one. I would play that one. I would play two of them. And <laughs> I would play them back to back. I would play them in the same time. <laughs> you right? would play. Because, uh, like, it's, yeah. It's so, as you know, and it, 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 it appeals to the complexity and interest. And, and why you want these type of effects, and we're going to go over these types of cards that provide these effects at all cube levels, it creates diversity in your cube. It makes it more interesting because as we stated, there's definitely a place out in the world for those cubes that are definitely turn creature sideways. There's definitely a place in the world for the cubes that are very linear play lines. But as you begin to grow as a higher level magic player, you want to have layers, right? Do you agree with that? And this creates creates interesting kind of subfloor layers. It does because, and again, going back to the zones thing, right? Yeah. You're now actively trying to play with 
another zone, right? And yeah. I remember the first time, again, going all the way back, I played with the cards that I was holding in my hand. That was it. There was no consideration of what's in my graveyard. There's no tutors in modern green for the, you know, the, back then at least. So as far as I was concerned, I was drawing a card off the top of my deck and yep. playing a creature and yep. then turning what I had on the battlefield sideways. That was, that was really it. But now you've got this whole new zone that you get to play with and and Um, seeking answers would be another reason why you'd want to do this yeah you're 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 going you're like a truffle pig at that point you're literally trying to snort out (laughs) trying to solve it and that's not a good place to be and i mean truffle pigs are cool and all but that's that's what you're trying to root out you're trying to find and i said root out we're gonna keep going we're gonna do the mushroom jokes (laughs) little fun guy but i'm a fun guy but Thinning the land counts another reason why you want to do it. You've just been drawing a rich, you know, everybody gets the mana hose, right? Yeah. Or, and or you get the uh, or the screw or the screw. There's there's no happy medium to this. And no. this type of dynamic adding a discard will allow you to pitch those lands you no longer care about, so that you can move through and manipulate your deck to remove that variance. Because this is this game is just riddled with variance. It is. And as Magic players, we're trying to find a way to master this idea and and get this art of the discard down and or draw, right, to break the variance from a game that's 100% almost based on variance. Yeah, variance and attrition. All right, so let's talk about, during this particular episode, the types of discard that we are going to cover. And we're going to go over these in pieces, because here at Ubercube, we like the subcategory. It's just a fun way to book. The first one we're going to call is eluding. Looting is basically you're going to draw the card and then you're going to discard the card. Do you not have any faith? Are you a faithless? I'm all about the faithless looting. looting. Yes. That was terrible. It was not good. And then rummaging is the other one. And that's the inverse of looting where first you're going to discard a card from your hand in order to now gain a draw advantage from the top of your library. The next one we're going to, these are going to be discard adjacent, but we've included them for a reason. It's going to be wheel effects. And we're going to cover these in a few moments. Yeah. Uh, because you're going to have to make a choice. It's a timing-based decision as to when you're going to let t- cards go. Sometimes are you holding on them too long? Do you have too much an emotional attachment to mm-hmm. your hand? And maybe it's not the right decision at the time. You have to know when to let it go. Yep. Let it go. <laughs> let it go. A little Frozen. I hate that movie. <laughs> We've right. had a Disney kind it's of sub-theme, I feel, kids, in so man. many we episodes got, we of the kids. podcast. We have kids. That we, yeah, we, we either need to like do a, I don't know, we'll, we'll karaoke. <laughs> karaoke a, a, Disney a, at CubeCon. CubeCon, yeah. Yeah, we're 100% we'll do let it go. We'll okay. do all the, West, the, the worst Disney songs ever. <laughs> All right, cycling's another one that's adjacent. That's basically, there's a whole different versions of cycling. There's yep. there's pay, colorless mana, uh, pitch a card, there, and draw a card. Sack a creature. Or two, it's, it's going to be get rid of the creature. Not cycle, not sack, but so much as cycling it out in order to put it in your graveyard so you can set your yeah, off a reanimator. Yeah, exactly. uh, it, it's just basically intentionally going to put a card from your hand into the graveyard so that you can then draw a card. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's basic land cycling, which is a, I didn't include that in the notes, but it's it's adjacent to this idea as well. Yeah. You're filtering. Hey, there's cards you're that filtering. you can. You're there's, filtering. There's cards that you can cycle to give all creatures minus two, minus two, and then and draw. And then a there's card. another style of the discard, and it is this is the slow pokey version. I'm gonna go greater than seven cards in my hand. People will do that. Like you actually intentionally, you, you just you don't have any of the effects that you're looking for to get rid of. And we talked about in the last one, the Archon of Cruelty. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned this in our reanimate. I so I purposely went to eight. Bleed up to eight just to force yourself to discard. Pitch it's that not ideal, out but of- you know it's a form of discard. But you're being very mm-hmm. intentional with that. You're sandbagging a little bit on purpose. Yeah, and it's not a good place to be. It's not, and but it's, you're there, and it it sucks as well. Because what do you want to do? Turn one. I want to play a land. And then I want to hopefully have a one drop to play, right? Or at least be able to set up for a next turn. It kind of sucks to just go through your first turn and just 
put a card in the graveyard and then pass. But I've got an eight drop that I'm going to try and get out next turn. So I'm not feeling too bad. Yeah, shallow grave it on your next turn. Hopefully you'll find a cheaty way to do it and you haven't shown that to your opponent. I got got Swamp. I got Max Jet. You got Max Jet. It looks like like you're desperate and they're like, oh man, I'm sorry. And they're like, ah! (laughs) The next one is, and this is kind of another category, and we're going to include this kind of our quote-unquote honorable payoffs or honorable uh, unique payoffs, I guess, if you would. They're the creature abilities that are going to do the discard, like the Season Hallow Blades. They're not really doing it for the discard, but you get an effect from the discard. You could have a positive impact or some form of replacement effect and or a buyback effect, like a forbid, for example. Yeah, and I think you, you, I like to look at those from a a deck building and a, a sort of queue building is, and even from a player perspective, right? When you're looking at it, like, man, this card, it's it's okay, but do I really want to be dumping cards for the payoff, right? Yeah. Because it's a, it's a tough decision to make. The payoff might be nice, but you know what? It could be a boat. One thing I didn't add, actually, to we kind of step through them, the one thing that adding this type of feature to your cube, the one, in my opinion, the only real negative impact of adding this to your cube would be it can slow down play. Because it is, yeah. it, it does come down to some harsh decisions sometimes. I find myself sometimes gawking and staring, like in a commander format. And I know we're not a commander channel, but I, you know, you've got, I've got time basically going around the table. You know, Stu has passed and Christian has passed and Chris has passed and it's coming around to my turn. I've had time to kind of in my brain and my head deck, I'm starting to kind of stack my cards slowly so you can't see it. So I can set up what am I going to discard with my faithless looting the next turn? I already yep. have a plan, but this is going to be a 1v1 scenario in cube. It's a little fast paced. It's, it, it can be a little harder to kind of think ahead on those lines of play, right? Yeah. Stu, Stu does a snap pass, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm, I got it. All right, faceless looting. Um, uh, <laughs> maybe that, that's the only, in my opinion, it's a timing thing that can create in your environment. Sure. It's decision-based. And it's not like, again, the linear play of I'm going to play a preordain. Uh, I'm going to look at two cards. Scrying could be a little stressful, but who cares? I'm going to get a card. It's not the same as discarding. It's Discarding not, creates an emotional but I'll, hey, response. If I've got the ability to do so... I, I will be conscious of people's time. I don't want to play super slow. I like to think of myself as someone who plays fairly quick. But I will take my time if I have to. All right, Stu, what archetypes like discard effects? I mean, first of all, let's talk about reanimator, mm-hmm. right? You want to put a big creature in the graveyard. Yep. You want to discard it whatever means necessary, and Tomb being the absolute S tier, right? Yeah. Uh, and then you want to bring it back. You want to bring back your eight drop, you know, your Grizzly. Gristlebrand, Archon of Cruelty, exactly, you know, whatever the case. And we actually talked about, you know, that's not power level, um, you know, dependent. It's not, yeah, it's completely agnostic of power level. You can do that in vintage power. You can do it in pauper power, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Delve. I like Delve because I use this as a mechanic in constructed decks, right? I am more than happy to play spells that force me to put cards in the graveyard because and it's not just delve but i have i have um spells that allow me to either use this mechanic or use other things like you know pull cards back from like your graveyard to your hand stuff, stuff like, like that, that. dig and up. treasure cruise yeah. are amazing obviously but there's other ones too there's a lot of other delve out there there even there's the tons side. of delve and it, it's a fantastic mechanic. Uh, yeah, it's, there's it's, creatures. Uh, it, there's... It, sees, it, it sees different forms of visibility and different power mm-hmm. levels of cube. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff. That's, yeah. Delve is a fantastic... It's a fun... 
I think it's a fun, we talked about before, like, where's the fun in cube? I think some of these are fun mechanics. I think Delve, yeah. now Delve's a little cheaty. So people may not agree with my statement. It's on that incredibly cheaty. It is fast forwarding the mana curve, but I mean, it I is think, interesting. I think that like the treasure cruise and dig through time are great examples, right? So yeah. you remember when they were released, like, one of them got Dex, banned, didn't it? it, it dude, yeah. I mean, in I think they're both banned in modern. I think they're restricted, yeah, they restricted in Legacy banned, Vintage. Yeah. But like mono red burn decks, right? They're yeah. immediately like, right, gotta make space for blue because these spells are just way too powerful to not, right? So you imagine a burn deck, you're trying to, you're empty, you're, or you're putting cards in the graveyard organically with bolts and, right. you know, even the creatures, you know, you, well, you don't really care. If you're, you're, if you're swinging with the creatures, great. If they die, you're just treasure cruising them, you know, delving them away for either one of those and just, you know, getting a, you know, half a fresh grip. So that shows just the strength of that, of that and ability. And Stu's got his favorite and it's Storm. Would you like to, you know? I don't know if... I don't know if I would include Storm. You're so not trying to discount LED Storm. is 100% going to be You're part of You're not trying... Yeah, but I would... Uh, it's not an archetype... It's adjacent. That is... You're going so, to tell me that Yagmas will and all these things... The I, thing about... Okay, so I don't disagree that Storm likes having cards in the graveyard, but it's not trying, trying to, to discard them. them it's And the reason why LED... Well, we can talk... The reason why LED to, is so yeah. absurd is because it gives you the ability to get six mana, which is so important to get that mana, right? right, right. You have the ability to get the cards, like, not back, but to replay them with, your, with like, Yagmas will. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think it's, like, you're trying to disc and really it's parallel less okay okay i can, I can it is parallel can the only going. card that you really that, uh, like and i would say like if you just take a, a pretty standard see, like vintage see, Stu messes up and lets me make these lists so i build the scripts and then we <laughs> no because it, it's not an invalid point right yeah storm you are discarding when but, you but put i think cards. it's after you've yeah so you're you're choosing discard after you've uh went through a large volume of your hand wheel effects etc yeah, so that's kind of, that's where my space was at, but you're not wrong either. It's not it's not in love with the idea, but it, it can play into it. So here's where the, the massive caveat to this is, right? Yeah. Do you know what Storm loves though? And discard sort of sort of comes into this. If I'm playing Storm, I want I'm ideally trying to keep a hand that has a ton of mana. I know this kind of sounds obvious. I want a ton of mana and I want a wheel of fortune or I want something that allows me to refill my hand, right? Time twister, yada, yada, yada. So that's the way to get all the fast mana, right? Refill and then I'm I'm good to go. I've got, you know, the mana to be out, you know, and tutors and all that kind of stuff. So they they kind of fit in that because yes, there's discard in some of those will. Another one that really, and and I put it on here. This one's kind of we're just going to blow through this one. I'm going to say spells matters type effects, and I only mean that because of the Snapcaster esque cards of the world, where they don't have a problem where putting something in the bin because they're planning on getting that instant sorcery back if they chose to dump it. Right? Yeah, I would less, agree with less that. Less land, more spells matter, non-creature stuff, right? That yeah. they can bring back. And you can even talk it's about reco- like it's recoverable. It is, and in spells matters. I suppose, again, this kind of sounds obvious, but you want cards. And if you've got cards in the graveyard that you don't need and you can delve them with treasure crews and dig through time. It's filtering. And it's also storm adjacent in that statement as well. Spells yeah. matters and storm could run side by side, yeah. potentially, right? Uh, the other one's going to be madness. If you run a madness theme, you're very much into the discard, right? Because you do the replacement effect on the discard with the thing that exactly. you want to cast for the madness cost or the reduced cost. And that can vary significantly yes right? but madness is i think madness so far actually going through all these madness is the one that's most in love with this idea. it's an incredibly 
fun I tried supporting mechanic it in my as well. Hor- I tried to support it in my horror cube with, I think it was Angie at the time. Angie and Falcon I, Rath, yeah. yeah. And I tried to push it pretty hard, and it, the cards were so all over the place as far as what met my actual theme of it has to be scary. This might be an interesting point for that as well. Like, did you feel that madness, the cards were so focused, they were focused. on the madness that it's like, man, they, do they really have a spot outside they, of that? And did, did that kind not, of push them out? Maybe it kind of almost went into reanimator, but not really. It was just, it was kind of pushed it out because it felt so niche. Yeah. Um, we can talk about that in a future episode because I think madness sure. is an amazing mechanic that Lexi built upon more. Let's let's put a pin in madness and we'll do an episode. In madness, right? Done. The next one's actually another interesting too, and I put this down. And it's just because you're putting stuff in your yard. It's going to be the escape, right? Um, doesn't really need a lot of the explanation. It's just basically you're building up your yard and then you want to bring something back by you know exiling cards out of your yard. I mean, because you have density to. I your mean, yard. think about like escape and brain freeze is like so it's you know. Yeah, <laughs> yes, disgusting. it is. It, and so. I thought, and it's it, you know, it's, it's adjacent to the idea. It's all discarding, but it's it's filling up your bin so that you can have quantity. Yeah. Right? Not less self mill more, and, and I want to reiterate this too. And we're talking about discarding. We're talking about intentional discarding, as in not the opponent forcing you to discard. That's not the perspective of yeah. this particular. Yeah, it's not thought sees or mind twists. Your choices as yeah. the player at the at the helm making decisions and the complexity that goes into your said decisions, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to cover here. And it's it's a hard. It's a challenging and daunting thing to learn. It yep. may seem so simple once we've done it for years. I've been playing since like what ninety six. You've been playing since whenever. I don't know. Since Methuselah, last week. Since pretty much last week, whatever. But it's not where you start in this <laughs> no. game, and it's a hard skill to learn. And you only get better at it. You hone it. Yeah. Now you get kind of this no fear attitude towards discarding. You're like Psh, whatever. Uh, the other <laughs> one would be kind of like a spider spawning. That's it's almost a self mill type idea. But what I meant by that is a statement of the type of cards you want to fill your bin up. That's adjacent to the escapes and stuff like that too yeah right and anything that has flashback and all that they're okay with being in the yard because the replayability of the cards and we're yeah. going to cover that shortly all right so let's move over to our next topic and this let's talk about Stu's going to cover this one but let me let me header this one off and it's gonna be let's talk weird it's gonna be lion's eye diamond mm-hmm. that is a weird card yes Stu, would is. you like to tell us about the things we know about lion's eye diamond? it's a weird lion's card because right so it was uh it was printed in mirage 96 yeah, yeah. and it was designed at a time where there wasn't really a whole lot to do with a card that, yes, it gives you three mana for a zero mana artifact. Flanking and phasing period of yeah. So it's such a strange critter. The, there was there was uh, I don't know maybe a gas leak in the in the in the in the, the Watsi uh, you know offices at that time and some craziness was happening. But yeah, so it was designed to not be able to use the mana when you crack it, you get three mana of any color, right? Um, and it, you, you know, you can't use it to cast a card in your hand, right? Because you right. have to discard your hand to crack. When you crack it, it you discard the, your hand and get the it mana. It was the not so great Black Lotus of the time, or yes, how it was viewed. exactly. It was- so mechanics have changed a little bit. Um, so the wording is now activate this ability only any time you could cast an instant while still counting as a mana, mana ability. ability. Yeah. So Which is straight, changes it's, it's, in the it's kind of an inverse in the statement as it was before. Because before you would float the mana. And then announce the card, yep. and it created stack issues, yep. right? Uh, so now things are very different with the order of things. So so obviously we talked about Storm a little bit, so you can imagine how powerful it is, right? 
you can do this with Black Lotus as well, but like a pretty common sort of storm line of play is if you've got two of the S tier storm cards, one of them being black is, uh, sorry, one of them being Lonzo Diamond and one of them being Yorgmoth's Will, you cast your Yorgmoth's Will and you respond to your own casting of Yorgmoth's Will by cracking the Lonzo Diamond. The Lonzo Diamond goes to the graveyard, then the Yorgmoth's Will resolves. Yorgmoth's Will does force cards to go to your to go to exile if they would go to your graveyard, right. but the LED's already in the graveyard, so you've got the three mana, then you get to replay it for zero and crack it for another three mana. So now you got six mana. So gonna, that's pretty we're awesome. I'm gonna read you the older text for this card, just and I'll, I'll I'll point it out and I want you to understand the strangeness card during the yeah. time period. So we're talking nineteen ninety six magic yeah. when there was no true perfect lines of play for the invention of this card. It's an oddball card. Lion's Eye Diamond. For zero, you get an artifact. Sacrifice, Lion's Eye Diamond, discard your hand, add three mana of any one color to your mana pool, play this ability as a mana source, and they later added the word as an instant yes. and, a, and a mana source. They, they yep. revised it, or so they eroded it. Yep. But the strangeness of this card is it didn't have any friend circle at that point. It was just, it, again, it was during the time of flanking and phasing. And <laughs> To, I love to bring this story well. back, and I talked about this in the previous episode. When I first started playing Magic, was in around it was late 1996, early 97. Timelines are a little skewed there, but uh, I just joined the Air Force, introduced my buddies, and I was cracking packs of this stuff. This was uh, this is Mirage, right? Yep. So I had Mirage and Tempest, and I think I had mm-hmm. some Portal, and maybe later down the road, Eighth Edition, whatever, Fifth Edition, don't know. But I had a bunch of these. I know I did. I recognize this art. They were in the the box with the goofy brown cards. I'm going to go out on a limb. and stuff that I didn't even care about. I am going to go out on a limb and say, I bet you wish you had a bunch of these yeah. right now. Yeah, that's pretty much the Shivan Dragons that I got. <laughs> I think I've given one to my buddy Christian at this point. Yeah. I've got, they're neat. I've got one of my binder for nostalgia purposes, but I'm certain that I traded these off. At a baseball card shop well, in Boise, Idaho, to get for some a big card. fine dragon. I mean, yeah. it's a no-brainer because this card did nothing for me yep. at the time. Reiterating the point, Anthony of then had no idea what discarding even did. I didn't play Magic at this time, and you, and obviously yeah. you did. But I would, and and this is definitely something I would love to hear in the Twitterverse. This is not really something I've done a whole lot of research on, much right. if any. But I would love to hear from the people that were playing at this time. Did you play this card back in the Mirage days? How did you play it? Like, did you build a deck where this was like a real key piece, right? You can kind of see it's a zero mana artifacts. And right. I've, I've always held the position that any card that costs zero mana, there's got to be something that eventually it's going to be useful for. I would, would I have, no. you know, I think about when this, would I have looked at this and be like, man, there's no. going to be some serious value in this card one day. Like, no, I would have looked at it and thought, hang on, discard my, discard my whole hand. What yeah. the hell am I going to do with the mana <laughs> now that I've discarded my hand? Like, that makes no sense. So let's fast forward to 2006 when Dissension came out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, everybody loves Tudor cards. Yeah. Everybody loves a Tudor. So we have Infernal Tudor, one colorless, one black for a sorcery. Reveal a card from your hand. Search your library for a card with the same name as that card. Reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. Yeah. Or if you are hellbent, uh, if you have no cards in hand. That to you. So... I'll just, uh, you know, put an Infernal Tutor on the stack, respond to my own Infernal Tutor, crack the Lion's Eye Diamond, add some mana, Infernal Tutor resolves, and now I've got a Demonic Tutor. And to the best of my knowledge, this is the first versatility that came about. And feel free as the audience, I mean, blow us up on the Twitters. I believe this is the first time a complex line of play came about for the Lion's Eye Diamond, which around the time of its inception was about a $3 card. 
then migrated up around to $60. And I believe as today's date, we're give it, give or takes around the $500 mark. We're pretty close to that. It, it, yeah, it could be around that. It's, it's close. It was $20. So it's the first card that we wanted to highlight this card because of the strangeness of it. It's making you sacrifice Lionized Diamond, discard your hand, add three mana of any one color to your mana pool, play this ability as a mana source slash instant. Yep. That is such a strange line of play. Mm-hmm. You put this in front of a new player, or in this case, in the cube environments, typically this is going to be referenced as Storm, and it's going to totally throw them off, right? This is such an oddball card. It is. And it makes you do the thing that's so uncomfortable, discard cards, which yes. is the art of the discard. I'm going to need some serious payoff. If there's no Storm, and obviously Storm is... I don't is, know. I, I, is, maybe is, a Metalcraft awesome. nonsense. You just want to have it sit up there for zero. I don't know. Ornith- that was my first point, right? You Think yeah. about it. It's a zero mana cost artifact. Maybe it had an artifact. I don't know. So this deck, this, this, the reason why this card has actually gained in favor is not only from the Storm deck that we talked about in the powerful vintage cube mm-hmm. environments, but I kind of want to name off some of the uh, vintage legacy, and there's even some commander decks that have this, but it's going to be Blue Tinkerer. It's going to be the Doomsday deck, which it's going to be the Ad Nauseam Tendrils deck. It's going to be the Epic Storm deck. It's going to be the Holday Echo Stompy. I don't even know what that one is. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be the Corvold, the Fae Cursed King, to give a little shout out there for some of the commander players. That's but right. uh, that you're spending a lot of money on a commander card at that That's point. Right. That might be CD. I don't even know what that is. I'll have mm-hmm. to look that one up. Uh, we got a funny one called Oops All Spells. Yeah. These things have great names, guys. Yes, we'll actually have this in do. the show notes. You got it in Painter for Legacy. You've got it in Madness for Legacy. And then we got another, you know, Kozilic. Again, you're spending a lot of money on your Kozilic deck for a Lion's Eye Diamond. Uh, yeah, whatever, I guess. I mean, that Blue Tinker Vintage deck is $85,000. It's not that bad, eighty five grand. I mean, that's literally like the price of a home back in 19. Is that uh, like Alpha? Is that with Alpha Duels <laughs> or insanity. anything like that? You know, is But I kind of want to put in perspective, such an oddball card that makes you do such an unnatural line of play, or at least it would seem that way as to new player, it's 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 it makes no sense. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely but no look at sense. The, look at this, how many decks it's, what a bunch of it's so powerful. It's a bunch of nonsense. But anyways, <laughs> we're moving past our highlighted unusual card for this particular and we're gonna talk about looting. Yeah. Steve, would you like to kick off a so, couple of these? These are fun. So yeah. What is, so what is we, looting exactly? Well, looting is quite simple. You draw a card and then you discard a card. Or you draw two cards and then discard a sure. card. Right? So looting actually quite a, a, a like lot looting. less scary than the others yeah. and the reason is very simple i get to draw first and then i discard yeah, so you get knowledge and then you get to hand off based on knowledge exactly so it's, it's a little less frightening certainly the least frightening i would say of all of them but yeah. not not frightening faithless looting's a little little spooky as in uh faithless looting for one red mana you get a sorcery Draw two cards, then discard two cards. So now you're down a card because yeah. you're casting Faithless Looting. Yes. That's one card. You're yes. drawing two, so you're up one, and then you're discarding two, so you're down one. So it's a net negative. It's so confusing. On, on the card. Yeah, it, it's... But... But they make you feel a little better because they put the thing on here that if you're a little like, oh man, I don't like to discard, and that freaks me out because I'm a new player and I don't want to do that. I am tired of drawing lands. Flashback. Please. Flashback. It's, flashback is your best friend here. That's right. It's, this is actually a good little starter kit here for I've never uh, discarded for. Flashback is the safety blanket. I'm a little nervous about doing this. We have, we've had people in our play group that have openly admitted this is like their least favorite thing to do is to discard cards. Uh, for me, I've got, you know, again, we're not an EDH podcast, but I've got this Neheb Eternal deck that we've talked about over and over again. Oh my God, dude, I am looting and the rummaging like nobody's business. And I wanted to drop... There's a in, reason for that. And we'll I tell everyone to, why. I wanted to drop in an interesting fact here. The, how, is, the, oh, let me, let me yeah. explain that very quick. The reason why is because 
every game that Anthony plays with Naheb, he's got Mana Crypt and Faithless Looting in every opening hand. And I'm not saying he's stacking his deck, but he's definitely stacking his deck. Anyway, Anthony, my apologies. Yeah, so what's interesting, I wanted to throw in this little tiny little tidbit of information. So if you've got something like, this is a little bit off topic from the looters, but I kind of wanted to share a line of play that can be interesting. And this even transitions over to the commander slash in cubes, right? So let's say, for example, we did Thrill of Possibility. Okay. And I know I've jumped over to the rummage type effects. Sure. And so that's going to be for one red, one colorless. You discard as an additional cost. You discard said card or discard a card from your hand. That's the art of the discard. You can then draw two cards. Yes. Right? If you copy that effect, you get a copy of that, but you don't have to pay that additional cost for the second one. And I know that probably seems like a simple line of playing, but I want to throw it. So you've had like a thousand year storm in your type cube and you're new to the curation and you had this cool card because it just got reprinted and all that. And you had these type of effects in there, removing, say, faithless looting from the equation. But any of those ones where you're, it's forcing you to do as an additional cost to do the discard on the stack, you can then on your second iteration of it, you don't have to do that at all. So all you do is net extra cards. That's right. You're, it's not it's not a zero sum game anymore. That's right. So I just wanted to throw that out there for the internet. Yeah, it's a cool point. A little off topic there. Uh, so faceless looting gives you that nice little safety net of it has built in flashback, mm-hmm. which is very friendly to someone who wants to try this and dip their toe in the water. The idea of discarding in their cube environments, etc. Right. Yeah, because I, I would say sooner rather than later, you're going to figure out like the ability to be able to sculpt your hand. It's it's so critical, right? For yeah. so many decks, you've got your more straightforward, maybe like a you know a mono green aggro deck where you're like, you know what? Yeah, it would be nice to be able to get a real clear, but it's not as important. I don't have like a condensed number of critical pieces in the deck, right? If I draw whatever you know next green thing that I'm going to turn sideways and smash face with, it's no big deal. But some decks definitely require that to be, you know, to work optimally. So let's start stepping up this looting with a little bit more complexity that also punches you in the face. And mm-hmm. that's going to be Smuggler's Copter. Looter Scooter. Yeah, Looter Scooter. And this card got banned. It was in Standard, I guess, for a while, too, because it was so powerful. I think it was overtaking games. I don't play Standard, but it wouldn't but surprise it, I, me. I, it, it's just so powerful. It, it, and I love this card. I run it in my Artifact Cube. I run this in my Power Vintage Cube. I mean, you'll see this one as a fan favorite. This it's one, this, literally because it's colorless slots in any deck where you want to get card advantage. Yeah. And by card advantage, meaning that you're going to draw a card, then discard a card. So it reads as such. For two colors, you get a 3-3 vehicle, and that's the stats of it when you wake it up. Flying, crew one. Whenever Smuggler Copters attacks or blocks, and I oftentimes miss that block statement. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm guilty of that. Uh, you may draw a card if you do discard a card, mm-hmm. and it allows you to hand sculpt and move that's through your right. deck and mm-hmm. bend stuff and set things up. I mean, this goes into you want to set up for reanimator, you want to go into some kind of storm-esque. This is an incredibly is a, so versatile. versatile card. And or you just want to beat the hell out of somebody. Oh, that, that was going to be my next point. Right? <laughs> yeah. You've got a 3 3 flyer. It's beaten face this let you really quickly. For your white weenie deck or mono right. red, who cares? You're, just getting your, you're literally chasing down your bolt at that point. Yeah. Don't care. Uh, the next one, Stu, you want to cover this top half? We talked about this in a recent episode. This is a fan favorite. This card. Yeah, Jace Friends Prodigy, uh, legendary creature, human wizard for one colorless, one blue. And uh, Jace has tap, draw a card, then discard a card. And if you have five or more cards in your graveyard, you can exile Jace and uh, bring it back as a planeswalker. Obviously, fantastic ability yeah. to be able to do that. But the fact that you then have, you know, multiple turns where you get to loot. It's such a strong card. We focused on a lot of these cards. You see us move through. It was in our last episode, Dig Them Up. We just kind of, I know we're reiterating this, but they're components of the reanimator package, but we're mm-hmm. highlighting it from a different point of view at this point. Basically, the, the building up the comfort 
hardening your scales, if you will, to be able to add this not only to your environment but uh, and curate it, but also to be able to draft and play it. Yeah, and Jace is a good one because yeah. it's a creature, and yes, it does come back as a planeswalker. It has a nice built-in payoff. It does have a built-in payoff when it comes out, but you can't attack with it, for example, right? right. It's a zero well, I, mean, I suppose you could, but it's a zero two, so it's not like doing scoot- any damage. The scooter had the aggressive aspect. Scooter is, is more, an aggressive. This is more of just sculpting. Exactly. Moving through your deck. You're moving through your library to take away that um, variance. variance, right? Here's one where we start getting even more complicated, and, and it's going to be seasoned pyromancer. And for one color, or for one colorless and two mountains, you get a two-two human shaman. When seasoned pyromancer enters the battlefield, discard two cards, then draw two cards. For each non-land card discarded this way, create a one-one red elemental creature token. Then you have for three colorless and. It's got a lot of text. Two mountains, exile season pyromancer from your graveyard, create two one one red elemental creature tokens. Very nice. This card is phenomenal. It is it's it's very in alignment with Faithless Looting as far as the choices you're gonna have to make. That mm-hmm. it's kind of that odd zero sum game you just did. And you're basically sorting through it. As Stu said, this is where the part where you now choose to pitch your reanimator target or your spell that has flashback inside of it, or that land, those two lands that are completely dead draws for you. You don't need them. Yeah. And now you replace them with actual gas. Yeah, maybe you've got some removal in your hand and right. you're playing against the deck that doesn't play any Many creatures. creatures or, yeah. you know, a, uh, you know, you got a counter spell and you're like, well, that's not really going to do a whole lot right now. Yeah. So, so that's that, that that card's powerful. Actually, I'm trying to chase down that sweet art with the, I need to pick it up. It was a little pricey last time I looked. It's the one with the two tigers coming out of the new art. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sick. I'm going to get is. my hands on that. Uh, the next one, we're only going to read really the top part, and it's Duretti the Scrap uh, Savant. And it's basically for three colorless and one mountain. You get a three loyalty planeswalker Duretti. Uh, it's going to be that top part. Plus two abilities can be discard up to two cards, then draw that many cards. Yeah. And granted, it does. It actually, the next part is actually semi relevant. The minus two is it's, more than just semi. It's the minus two it's sacrifice an artifact if you do return target artifact card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It allows you to basically fill your ban up, so you're doing that intentional discard into the yard. Yeah. So that then you can then bring back artifacts by sacrificing another artifact, bringing out a very powerful threatening thing like i don't know a mere battle sphere or something on the on the exchange for say just some little dumb server. mind slaver yeah i actually won't put this card and uh we talked about this before at kubecon and the conversations come up about my artifact cube i'm not running any of these in my artifact cube because of that power level yeah power be, levels it would be the top. warping yep. to my draft environment yep. it's so powerful then we got cards like chart a course and these are more of those decision factors for one colorless one blue you get a sorcery draw two cards then discard a card unless you attacked with a creature this turn yeah it creates that interesting dynamic for players that they now get to it gives them um agency to decide i want to go ahead and attack before i do this thing mm-hmm. it creates it doesn't feel so on rails that's that's the whole point of this episode yeah. is these are doing things that are a little off color a little weird and it, it, it brings joy to players it's dynamic yeah Char- again, I've always talked about these cards that card. give you that kind of choice, right? I have been desperate. Like, I'll suicide a creature. To, to incentivize that idea. If it means I don't have to discard a card. Because yeah, yeah, I yeah. just love all the cards, yeah. but I'm really, really digging towards something. Sure, I'll just suicide a creature, and why not? I got a token or, you know, yada, yada. Um, or, you know what? I'm flooded. I don't right. care getting rid of the land. And then we got the kind of the oldie but goodies is like the, the standard merfolk leaders for one colorless, one blue. You get yourself a 1-1 one, one merfolk. Tap it, draw a card, then choose and discard a card. It's about that clean. Common. It's a creature, it's a creature that tilts sideways and lets you do the thing. Yep. 
All right. So that's kind of, in summary, that was kind of our, that was our looter group. And the yes. looters are the safe ones. You get to, as Stu said, you get to look at the card, you draw it, and you go, all right, all right, cool. And then I'm going to pitch a card. Yep. So it feels a little, now I'm going to let Stu go into the danger zone. You're so right now it's rummaging. Zone. Yeah, this is a bit more dangerous. Yeah, this is where you're getting the danger Because stuff. you have to discard first, right. right? Information is power. Risk factor high. It is, right? So removing scry from this conversation, peeps. Sure. We're, we're going no knowledge. Let's no. Go, let's go yeah, you've got no top. And I like to have the information. <laughs> we do like these things. But yeah. uh, any any player who's gonna tell you they'll want to play with the most amount right. of information. Right. Right. It doesn't matter where that information is. It could be what's in your hand, it yeah. could be, you know, what's on the top of your graveyard, it could be what your opponent's got in their hand, or you know, whatever the case may be, information just and we talked about variants quite a lot. Every time you have information, you're lowering your variance just right. a little bit. Now, the better a player you are, the better a drafter you are, whatever the case may be, you're always going to be able to find a way to manage that variance and to be able to, that's, you know, can can you make, you know, and, and look, I'm not, I don't want to be disrespectful of any player. Things like this, a, a less experienced player is not going to be able to get the advantage out of these effects that a much more experienced yeah. player is going to get. So right? this type of play line to you, like a, a, a veteran player, I mean, sure, I'll go ahead and do a thrill of possibility and just do the thing, right? And try mm-hmm. to, you know, if I'm desperate. But yeah. ideally, I would have wanted to, I don't know, scry the top cards in my library, yeah. set them up. Mm-hmm. So what I like about rummaging is it's it's more comp- it makes you put two components together. To get it right, yeah. Whereas the other, the other one we talk about looting, looting kind of is just on on wheels a little bit, training wheels. Mm-hmm. This one's harder, but you have to do some complexity to it. So, as I mentioned before, uh, Thrill of Possibility was the card that I talked about, where you could actually, if you had like a thousand year storm type effect or any copy effect in your cube environment, yeah, you could basically do that additional cost to discard a card, that art of the discard. Draw two cards, right? But then your second iteration, you don't have to discard the card anymore. You That's just right. basically get to draw the two cards. Mm-hmm. So you could essentially net multiple cards yeah. at that point. It, it breaks that zero sum. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, would you mind covering this next Yeah, one? Cathartic Pyre. One like colors, this. one I red. Like I love this one. It's another instant. Um, you got some choices. It, mm-hmm. You can either deal three damage to a target creature or planeswalker. So a bit of a you know yeah. mini bolt. Uh, or you can discard up to two cards, then draw that many cards. Yeah. What's not to I, like? I, I like this type of cards that, with the modal stuff that gives player Choices. agency. And this type of stuff, I like to see. It, like, I, I love these type of cards in a cube environment. I got I have decisions now as the drafter. And if you're the curator and I'm, I'm perusing through, these type of cards really draw to me. As a matter of fact, I need to consider putting this in my Munson cube. I didn't even think about this card. but I It like should. It. I like it for the style points. Granted, I don't run any Planeswalkers, but I think it's a pretty bad I like card. it in the Munson cube because I think the three damage... For starters, is it is in a yeah. really good place. I agree. Um, but you know, on the surface, you've got that you know part met- one hyper aggressive metal cube. Yeah, so part one's aggressive, it. right? Yeah. I want to, I want to, you know, get that creature off the battlefield sure. because you know maybe it's bigger than mine, and I just want to start swinging through, try and get lethal. Or you've got that secondary, which I don't want to say is not aggressive, yeah. but it's so much more thought and it's a it's at the peasant level so it's uh it's you know it's at the uncommon mm-hmm. level so it could fit in those type of cubes and thematic cubes alike right. uh the next one actually included for the popper players I, this is a personal favorite for mine i've played this card before it's this, <laughs> this, the art is insane there's multiple arts of it but this is uh i guess it's from avison restored it's the mad prophet for three colors and one mountain you get a two two 
haste it's a human shaman you can tap discard a card and draw a card i just i just love this card i like i like the idea of what it stands for i know it costs four but it's great for environments if you wanted to incorporate this type of idea in your environment Mm -hmm. all right so Stu, would you mind uh grabbing on this next section so the next one we're going to talk about are wheels. Mm-hmm. Like the, the wheels on the bus go round and round. Round and round. Round and round. round, round. round. <laughs> um, so obviously things like Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. Right? And we're not going to get, delve too deep into all the options about wheels, right? But yeah. Wheel of Fortune, probably the... Wheel of Misfortune. Wheel of Misfortune. It's an affordable option. That's why I'm going to include it. Yeah. And that's... I would say that's maybe something we don't talk about as much as maybe budgetary, we should. Budgetary Some of the budget, well, yeah, because yeah. Wheel of Fortune, the it's price stupid. has absolutely gone. Oh bananas. my gosh, I am kicking myself over and over again when I didn't pick up. I think it was was it the DCI Judge or Judge Foil? Judge yeah. Foil? Yeah. yeah, it was semi affordable. I don't know, many years ago, and I looked at it in the case, and I'm like. I don't know, man. I don't want to spend like you know. I think I think at the time it was like maybe a hundred and ninety something bucks. Yeah, no, just, that was like eleven hundred dollars. Two grand, grand. Like two it's grand. an insanity it number is. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mistakes were made, but you know, yeah. you know, whatever. You can't speculate on everything. No, nope. but All right. tell us about the wheels. So wheels is a little bit of a different kind of decision making tree, in my opinion, yeah. right? Because now it's very timing specific. Yeah. Right. How married are you to the cards in your hand that, that you're is going to discard them? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Because there's been many a times when I'm looking at that card, that wheel card, and I'm like, do I want to do it now? But I've got this one other card that if I, I really would turn, love to cast. It's like you're literally playing I want to cast. I want to cast that one turn. Some Kenny Loggins in your highway. Yeah. To- no, I'm not. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to wheel this go? turn. Yeah. I'm going to wheel next. If turn. I just wait next turn, I can be able to pop this off. Yeah. And, and then it, it next turn. Tension. And then next turn, my opponent just dumps their whole hand out, and I'm like. Well, it does create that womp, level. Womp. So yeah, uh, it's timing based, right? It, like you said, you're seeking either a win con or a way out. I mean, it could be either way, right? You're, it could you're, be. You're you're, you're 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 digging for a choice or an answer. And I could have done the I can the timing could have been nothing nothing better, right? I've you know my opponent had this wonderful line of play, and I've just left them with seven lands in their hand. But there's risk. Yeah, big risk, right? You're forcing your opponent to discard. What if your opponent has a reanimate? You give them what gas. If, what if your opponent yeah. has nothing in their hand? Maybe they kept their hand because they were like, ah, oh, you know what? I've got my colors. That is the intention of this card. But i got a couple you of wanna, drops. You wanna, maybe you've got, you know, let's say you've got five in your grip, but you've got four lands. Your opponent's got one, but you need to get rid of these lands. That's right. You, you don't want to give them. You, do, do you play the lines of keep dropping the lands and try to play fair and equal magic? Or do you just risk it for the biscuit and, and you're going to now discard? And that's not an ideal discard situation because lands have no real value to you if you're flooded. Right. Or mana screwed or all the above exactly right? but it, it it gets really it gets really contentious is whenever you have cards in your hand that like he said that it might have cost you four mana four four mana value to cast mm-hmm. and you're currently on the three do you hold a hold do you even have another line you're in making your the hand. choice yeah yeah now you got to make that critical decision of do i wheel to try to replenish this hand discard these cards back to the original specific topic of this episode that's right. that's the scary part it's not the card draw that we're talking about that's kind of the whew, I think we're talking about the discarding of your hand. Yeah, and I think unless, like, if you've got a mountain up, your opponent's at three life, and you've got a lightning bolt in your hand, like, that's probably not, you know, there's a better line to be made there. But I I honestly don't think I could criticize someone or fault someone for wheeling just as soon as you can. Like, do it straight away. Yeah. If you're netting those extra cards, which I would hope that you are, wheeling at seven is 
probably less optimal unless your hand is just absolute garbage. If you garbage. just gained a large amount of mana through some kind of cheating sure. method, and now you just spin that wheel trying to hit those massive yes. targets. So Why not? cast down that win con. I mean, that's what you're chasing here. And as we talk about quite a lot on this channel, what is it? It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's actually fun. It's risky and it's fun. It's, it's super literally risky. Like, it's like Bob Barker fun. just spinning that wheel. That's what you're doing with the wheel. It's an interesting line of play. So as we offered up before, Wheel of Fortune is really expensive. And I'm going to read you the old version of it. It's going to be all players must discard their hands and draw seven new cards. And for two colors and one mountain, you get a sorcery Wheel of Fortune. Great art. But then the option that is affordable, and I'm just going to leave this in the in the show notes, is going to be Wheel of Misfortune. Yeah. It also caused a lot of arguments like, what in so the hell is this card? It took us forever to figure out what happens here. Now we've got it down to, we've played this enough in our play group as far as Commander, and I run this in my two-headed giant cube just to, I think, cause fights. I mean, it makes the two heads literally lose their minds because one guy pass, cast this, and then everybody's trying to pick a number secretly. You can literally... Uh, kill your partner but, mm-hmm. or yourself mm-hmm. but it's an interesting line of play and i like doing it maybe we'll talk about like we'll do a, another twitter post and talk about the wordiness of this versus like a lot of people talk about just getting a sharpie and crossing over and making this do wheel of I, I think for, so. for budgetary reasons I, I, I get it i get it yeah uh, all right, so let's because let's talk about our next thing. This is going to be another one of those discard adjacent, as was the wheeling. It was discard adjacent, and it's going to be cycling. Uh, cycling is going to be that effect that's going to be either attached to a creature or a non-creature spell or spell whatever or a, a land, etc. It's going to allow you to basically get rid of it if it has no worth to you, right? It's an exchange. Yeah. So, for example, uh, we're going to have the. Titanoth Rex, which basically costs you like an absurd amount of mana, like nine mana, two green, seven colorless for an 11 11 trample. Uh, I'm sorry, how big? 11 11. This is a monstrosity. That's a big boy. Yeah, yeah. It's an uncommon, so it goes into the peasant cube environments, right? So this is a monstrosity in those environments. Uh, Cycling, one colorless and one forest, you can discard this card and draw cards. So you intentionally actually bend this Mm -hmm. so you can later reanimate it with one of your reanimator effects you have access to in the peasant Mm -hmm. level cube environments right and when you cycle try to put a trample counter on a target creature you control so it this card is very powerful it and is it's not about the card so much about the cycling effect is the exchange that you get to do here you can basically trade it off then we have the triomes or the whatever we call the new sets the the from nukapana in addition to the triome cycle we're just going to call them comprehensively the triome cycle yeah all of those had the cycling three we also had the previous dual lands i believe the bicycle lands yeah. i think people call them the cycle lands, cycle lands yeah. that you could pay two and toss those off mm-hmm. and then we have this next one that's actually interesting Steve, would you mind actually reading this one? so this is this is a, a favorite of mine right this yeah. is shark typhoon five colorless one blue enchantment whenever you cast a non-creature spell create an xx blue shark creature token with flying where x is that spell cmc and it also has cycling for X, one colorless and blue, you can discard it to draw a card. And when you cycle, you create an XX blue shark creature token with flying. So what's neat about this card, it's uh, a matter of fact, all these cards. The idea of well, let's, uh, cycling gives you early game and late let's game. Let's talk playlists. about, well, I want to talk about Shark Typhoon. Go ahead, carry How on. many times have you seen Shark Typhoon be played? Uh, hardcast it, it's very rarely. I might have seen it in some commander That's, games. Well, there you go. But, but I've seen this card played a ton. In vintage drafts, you know, I've watched, I watch a a consume a fair amount of content, right? Yeah. I would say that I have seen this card hard cast less than a handful of times. Yeah. The amount of times I've seen this card cycled is, 
off the charts, right? Yeah, well, that's that's what that gives you that versatility that players love. So You've much. got and versatility, it, and it's scalable cycling, which is very powerful. It's the, scalable. X in the value. You cycle it at instant speed. It's yeah. a combat trick. It's yeah. a do it at the end of your turn to surprise you and win on the next turn. And I get a card out of it, right? Shark Typhoon is bananas. I do find that, like on this particular topic too, this is the discarding aspect of it. When we're saying cycling. The only thing that I ever found is. Uh, you know, instants and sorceries are typically, and creatures are the easy thing sometimes mm-hmm. to recover from your yard with a lot of magic targets. Yeah. Enchantments Not so much. get pretty squirrely, and uh, they're probably the hardest ones. Would you agree? Or, I, I'm maybe off base in that statement, but enchantments sometimes are the hardest things to recover. I, I would agree. Got, I know we got the E-Wits and the regrowth. No, whatnot, I would agree. But it get pretty challenging to bring I mean, them back. like you say, creatures and lands, like they all day, of, every day, you yeah, can bring those back. Yeah, you got all these things that kind of just Tons of ways inherently to go built back. into the game. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's the challenge of those type of cards. So once you've pitched it, it's you've gone. now made the executive decision to no it's longer gone. probably ever get it back. I I don't want it back. I got a new I card and a shark. So if I ever get a new card and a shark, if you had an I'm enchantment cube, man. this would be sick. I don't know. That's if right. your name was say Christian Anderson and you had a Bant enchantment cube, for example, one eighty, you should probably be running this card, just throwing it out there. I should. If he's a listener. But I'd be hardcasting. Or a friend of the show. I hope you're listening. <laughs> Christian, hardcast. Shark type. Little shout out to his public cube. announcement. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's talk about, we've went through all these, we're constantly throwing cards away, we're discarding them, we're trying to tell you that this is an okie dokie thing to be doing, right? Mm-hmm. But what are the payoffs, what are the reasons, what are the core, what makes it okay to do this, other than I just want to get rid of this card and get a new one? It's not It's not just about the refreshment aspect no. of your hand, but there are, has to be like a purpose, an, There's objective, design for this. an objective. There's and, a design for And this. it's custom, right? There's so many different layers to this idea of what you're chasing as the target. Yeah. So, for example... You might be chasing a point of the mana curve because it's too high and your current, you know, your hand costs too much, uncastable. Exactly. I just can't afford these cards. I don't see any reason. Maybe nope. I can get to them later. But for now, I cannot deal with this 9-9 nine, nine in my hand. I don't care how bomb that 6-mana, 7-mana, 8-mana creature is. I'm currently on 3-mana. If I've got 2 or 3, yeah, it's gone. I'm Goodbye. Behind, I'm behind. I don't need it yep. anymore. And I'd rather just go ahead and get rid of it and get something. You're going to lose the game before you get the mana to cast those huge spells. Like, they do suck you in, right? And, they and do. Even though, even though I think what's even more challenging to players, this is my... Okay, I won't even say players. I'll say me. The cards that suck me in the most, trap me in the most, are the mid-range cards. The ones that are just the one or two away. You mean like the four and the five drop? Yeah, they'll and get you've got, you. They'll and get you've you. Got like two when and you three. probably didn't realize you needed that level of speed. And I granted, this is environmental based, right? But you think maybe if I can just hold out one more, I can get that, you know, four for four out yep. there, that five for five mm-hmm. out there. But instead, maybe I should have just fast forwarded my hand and, and put it to the side. It, it's a try. It, it, that's mid range. It certainly is. That's the scary part for discarding. It certainly my is. Opinion, that's my experience. So the other one would be like you're creating the targets, as we said. This would be for like the reanimator or the welder type decks, et cetera, or even like crucible. We're get, we're going to get into that. Mm-hmm. When you intentionally want it to be in your yard, so you're making a viable target, something you're chasing, which kind of comes to that safety blanket we talked about. It can be retrieved flashback eternalized type effects or some kind of spells matters that has the ability to recover spells back from your yard and allow you to replay them and kind of to the point we talked about with shark typhoon it was a little scarier once it's gone it's probably gone unless you're in an environment that supports enchantments coming back yeah that was a replenish type stuff yep right that's where it gets a little off uh, out there and then it's also for the purpose of you got land saturation you had just have too much and now you're going to pitch them, and then you've got, as we said, the, we're going to categorize them as the crucible effects. Yeah. That'll be your red and sixes and whatnot. Sure. Right? Uh, and then we've got basically stuff where you're actually trying to get critical mass. Uh, excuse me. We're trying to get critical mass, like the count in the yard of certain types, like Tarmogoyfs 
or uh, Emrakul the Promised End yep. or any of those delirium type stuff where you're trying to check critical mass and maybe you're Dragon chasing Channel. you're trying you're just going for the the cool thing to do and mm-hmm. you're chasing that number right Dragon's Rage Ch- Dragon's Rage Channel is a good point yeah or even as we talked about before like delve like yeah. I'm happy I've yeah. I've got ways to just dump those useless cards I don't you know it sucks like I, I might need that that land I might need that that creature who yeah. knows how long or short the game is going to be but. I tend to try and focus a little bit on the on the immediate, but some of those, especially like the dig through times and the treasure yeah. cruises, that's too good to say no to. The next couple of cards that uh, Sue, if you wouldn't mind, we're going to name off. We're going to name them, but we're going to categorize them by the effect they do, because it's going to be a, a large variety of cards you can put in instead to do this thing. And the reason why you would discard these would be your payoff ideas. Yeah, goblin welder. Goblin welder. I mean, the idea of it. The it's it's a pretty bananas card. Yeah. Right and. Again, it's one of those. I, I would I would say we've kind of categorized this categorized this with reanimate. Yeah. And what a what a what a perfect little marriage this is, yeah. right? You're with both of them. You're looking to put a card in the graveyard, and then you're looking to get a card from the graveyard back on the battlefield. It, it's like, actually fun. It's and, cheaty, and cheaty, inter- cheaty. Interesting thing. fact about this one too is you can do it to your opponent. You can. You can make them very. Did I tell you that story? Yeah, I think you did. Did you do this to somebody? That you're I meeting? did. I did this to someone. I don't. I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna send him a link to it. So. He had, um, I think it's Psychosis Crawler. When your opponent draws a card, they um, they lose a life. Or when yeah. you draw... No, when you draw a card, yeah. each opponent loses a life. Yeah. So he had a combo, and it was an infinite combo. So he was going to draw his deck. No way to stop it. Yeah. But he was going to win in the first 40 cards because he was going to deal 40 damage to everyone with Psychosis Crawler. So on the first activation, tap, old Goblin Welder Boy. I'll target your psychosis crawler <laughs> and just some trash artifact he's got. Star, and he, com- Star compass. And uh, he just looked at me like, well, I just completely Urza's, milled myself out. Urza's bubble. Have yeah, fun. I just milled myself out. Yeah. And uh, you all still have your life. And that's yeah, the end so of it. Yeah, so this type of card, actually, just this idea is what we're setting up the framework of. And there's other cards that, like, bringing basically, you know, artifacts matters, putting them in your yard, the reason why you're discarding them so you can yep. play into it, right? And reanimate. And again, reanimates. we don't need we, any that's introduction eating, We'll say that. reanimate is the term uh, reanimator. Like, that, that, sure. that, that whole archetype loves the idea of you pitching in the yard. We've yep. covered that ad nauseum. This card, your fatty. Get it back. And then we cheap. got cards like, and it'll be Earthshaker Kenra or Kenna. And the only reason Kenra. I'm naming that because it has the ability of eternalize. You wouldn't mind if you had to make the choice and you weren't going to cast this card. It's been outsized, outpowered, whatever reason. You wouldn't really be too sad about, well, I'm just going to discard this card because you could later eternalize it. Yeah. Right. For the cost of four and two mountains and get back up. And there's, four, four there's a, a wealth of and there's really, a lot really of those good cards that do that. Cards. And you can yeah. run these cards at all different power levels of cubes. Exactly. Then you have cards that are going to capitalize on like the spells matter type of role. And it's going to be like the Dread Horde Arcanist or the Snapcaster Mages, right? That are looking for yeah. you. You may have spent these spells and have used them and or you've discarded them because you've went, you know, over. You need to you need to trade off of that Faithless Looting. So yeah. you can put something in the yard. You can later recuperate it with a Snapcaster. Well, I, think, exactly. I mean, Dread Horde Arcanist, uh, I would say... You know, think about in a burn deck, yeah. right? I'll lightning bolt you. Yeah. I'll attack you with Dreadlord Arcanist. I'll get my lightning bolt. I'll cast that. I've just done six damage to you for one card. Yeah. That's it. Well, all I had to do was cast the spell and an attack with the Dreadlord actually, Arcanist. Actually, and you get I, to play I, it without... I recently, I recently added him to my power, Powered Vintage. Yeah, and, he, and, he's my, and he's my horror cube. He I just think there. he's interesting because you could put like your favorite card on there. You could put like Bone Splinter on there, for instance. Yeah. And you got access to more That's things right. and stuff. He gets pretty grody. Uh, <laughs> and then we move over to the other ones. And this is going to be... We're going to call this like the regrowth category. 
this is going to be the e-wits and the things yep. that are going to let you sure you're going to discard it, but you know that you have a way to get it back. So you're quite okay with discarding it. This goes back to that safety blanket idea, right? Yep. We got into the, we got into the rummages. We got a little scary. If you went blind, if you weren't sculpting and scrying and setting it up and topping and all yep. the things, right? Deck manipulation, then that could be frightening. Whereas these are the cards that you're going to use to kind of, all right, I'm okay with letting it go. Yeah. I can let it go. I can get it back. I, don't have to, I can get it back. Maybe. That's right. If, if they don't have screws. <laughs> we don't talk about <laughs> And then screws. we have the other effects. Stu, would you mind kind of tromping through these? So, yeah. Uh, we talked about Crucible of Worlds is a yeah. great one, right? You can play lands from the graveyard. Uh, obviously, a, a very famous uh, combo with something like Strip Mine. Yeah. Um, yeah that's just a very easy way to lock people it, it out. It makes that mana flood not feel... I mean, you're just letting it go. You don't need it. Yeah. You can pitch it. You can get it when you need it. You can do whatever you want with it. You're right. I mean, it makes it, it makes it replayable in the late game. Whatever and it it's real nice to be able to just keep cycling um, fetch lands from the graveyard. You okay. get, you yeah, get yeah, those, yeah. you know, if Back you've got... lands matters. If, exactly. But, but, but if you've got the lands in your deck to be able to support, like, cracking sure. fetch lands multiple times, imagine, like, you're mana fixing, you're thinning the deck, like... Very, very I don't powerful. mind doing like my faithless looting effect into this and discarding the two, two lands. lands and then playing these. Oh, no, I wouldn't mind that. I have either. zero problems with that. The next category, and it, it, and I'm using these cards that we've identified as to coin categories or card types, right? That's that's that was uh, the whole uh, point of this. When I said yeah, crucible no effects, that was the red and sixes. That was Ramunap, 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 and the whole point is just the categorization of cards that will allow you to freely and comfortably discard the card. Yeah, and don't feel bad about don't getting feel bad about your let it go, let it if go. You've got Spitch a crucible. It. Do your thing. Sculpt your hand. Uh, the next one is another category. Uh, Stu, would you mind explaining why this is here? Emrakul, mm-hmm. the promised end. What in particular does Emrakul have that makes it so unique and special? Well, first of all. It's an Eldrazi, and it's 13-13. So I don't know about you, but I actually played a game against this. I actually gave a a friend of ours an Emrakul the Primer Stand recently. Um, I wasn't using it in any of my decks. I was like, you know what? Have this card. You know, I'm I'm not using it. I think you'd be great with it. You know, and uh, and then he attacked me with it three times, and that was the end of it. That's not cool. No, it wasn't cool. I, I should have just said I'm taking this card back out of principle. <laughs> I'm taking it back. This one's mine. So why is it so good <laughs> in this reference. card, right? Because Emrakul the Promised End, which again is a 13, 13 legendary Eldrazi, it costs one less to cast of its 13 CMC for each card Man type. Man value boomer magic. Yeah, boomer magic. <laughs> uh, for each card type among cards in your graveyard. So... This is definitely something that is worth consideration, right? And now, yeah. obviously, you might be thinking, like, man, this requires a heck of a lot of sculpting, a heck of a lot of thought. But a card like this, it's worth it. And so it's fun. What we wanted to highlight this card for, and the reason why I built this into the script, was the categorization of cards that care about the type of cards that are in your graveyard. Yeah. I.e. Don't tar- focus too hard on Emrakul yeah. the Primus, okay. then. Yeah. Let's talk Tarmogoyf. Let's talk the idea of Delirium in general. Yeah. Delirium is something that you, you could support in your cube. And discarding and self-mill, which we haven't included in this episode, all incorporate that idea of basically building up the idea of getting Delirium to fire off. Exactly. And one card that I mentioned recently that I think kind of does go a great... It's another creature, so this is yeah, why I'm ahead. sort of bringing it up right, right now, is Dragon's Rage Channeler. Right? Oh, yeah, the card's fantastic. So, also my Power Cube now, too. And as it should be. So when you look at like how some of the modern jund lists are looking, right? So Dragon's Rage Channeler definitely like is going to be in, I think, the the top tier of the of the jund builds for a while, right? So jund is playing a Dragon's Rage Channeler, and it's also playing a Tarmogoyf, right? So what's yeah. so great about that? You're not discarding. 
Not with Dragon's Rage Channeler. So whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you surveil. So you look at the top card of your library. So it's not a discard, right? But it's, it's adjacent. It is. But how good is that card that you looked at? Oh, is fine. it a great card? But what if it gives me delirium? What if it grows my Tarmogoyf? Yeah. You're not discarding it from your hand. You're not but you might as well you, 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 be, because it's on the top of your library. You could, the, we're going to call it discarding from the top of your library. Exactly. It been in you your could hand. be drawing that card next turn. But future, instead, future Anthony says... No, no, not, not today. Not today. Let's grow that Tarmogoyf <laughs> a little today, bit. Satan, Let's make today. that Dragon's Rage Channeler a 3-3 flyer. I agree. That, yeah, right. Yeah. It has to attack every turn. But you but know. it is adjacent to the idea of discarding. It's making you do that. It's, even though it's top deck manipulation to a degree, yeah. it falls alignment with what we're trying to explain here. Exactly. The idea of sculpting your hand via the uncomfortable nature of discarding, right? Yep. Which brings us to the one another piece here. It's going to be the idea of Delve. Delve is a mechanic. Just we're gonna use we're gonna highlight Treasure Cruise here, and everybody knows Treasure Cruise. We talked about there's a, a big whole, and there's a whole series so of these cards, but Delve in itself is it falls adjacent to this idea because you're gonna fill your graveyard, so you could pitch and discard cards in order through through your decisions like your excess lands, etc. Uh, to basically get the payoff here. Cons of talk here was a really, really, kind really kind good of a busted set. set. Yeah, so busted. many just disgraceful cards in that yeah. set. So just like we talked about earlier that Madness really loved and adored the idea of being discarded, mm-hmm. the one the one particular ability that loves the idea of I was discarded is flashback. Yes. If you're looking for the ultimate safety blanket, I want to put this in my cube environment. Um, I want to put effects in there that my players don't have a problem with pitching. And getting used to it as you adapt and grow your play group. Maybe you've got a a, a group of you got a, a newer cube, or you've got a, a new a new set of players or younger players that you mm-hmm. want to teach the game, and you want to teach them this this higher level of magic playing, but you don't want to make them have to make these critical decisions or their brains are going to explode. Yeah, flashback is a safe mechanism to be able to. I'm not only going to discard a card, but then maybe I can get it back. So I know it. And so we we'll use we use deep analysis, which is an oldie but goodie here. It is. And for three colorless and one blue, you get a sorcery. Target player draws two card, and then it has flashback. Uh, pay one colorless and one blue. Pay three life. That may cause a little bit of cringe factor for your new player. I get it because you know they have maybe haven't discovered yet in their their magic growth that I life actually, is a resource. But you know what? I actually think this is the, this and card. what you just said about. About the new players, I think that's this is perfect for that for two reasons. Yeah. Number one, yes, paying life, greatness at any cost. Yeah, right. Paying life is like man, but if I get to zero life, I die. Like, do I really want to pay life? Well, yeah, you do. If you can draw two cards, the the you know easy I, I decision. Think, I think However, it, I think it's analogous to what we're talking about too, though. Like life, you know, life is a resource is almost mm-hmm. in alignment with discarding cards and sculpting your hand. They're both. Yeah, you're stepping to those higher levels of play. And the other thing is. Making sure that you're aware of the game does isn't just played with your hand and the battlefield. Right. There's those other zones, right? Especially right. the graveyard, right? Yeah. I would say, for the most part, most games are going to be played in the hand on the battlefield. But the graveyard is is a, a public zone that needs to be something to pay to be paid attention to, right? And right. for a new player, you might not be you might might not be looking at that. You might you know play deep analysis and then think, okay, it goes to my graveyard. Don't worry for, about, it. about it. Forever. But you know what? You get to draw two cards, and all you got to do is pay two mana. It does. And pay it does force to look at different zones, and it teaches it does. the player to grow into the zones. Yeah. And these type of cards, like I said, highly support this idea. Um, so let's talk about some unique cards that are kind of we've we, so to kind of recap. We've covered the looting. We've covered the rummaging. rummaging. 
the wheels, yep. the cycling, mm-hmm. all these different pieces. Did I miss one here, Stu? Uh, and then the, the payoffs for how, what, what would encourage you to do these type of strange behaviors. Exactly. The Delves, the, the Reanimate. Then we've got some weirdos. Besides LED, which we've already highlighted as the weirdest <laughs> of the weirdos. As far as the in the magic environment, it was the one that was shocking off for me when I opened that up in, I don't know, 1997. And I'm like, Long, long <laughs> what the hell is this car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, opened Lines Eye Diamond. <laughs> and I sold so let's it. Let's get into some other cards that are, that are interesting. And they, they, they're kind of going outside that little bit of color pie spectrum of what we've been talking about. We said a lot yeah. of this was Grixis adjacent or, or in alignment with Grixis, what sure. the feels of what it likes to do is yeah. a color assortment. Mm-hmm. Forbid, and for one colorless and two blue, you get a instant that basically counters target spell with the buyback. Discard two cards from your hand, and then you can buy it back and put it back in your hand. Yep. This card's probably a little less hand sculpting, a lot more control breaking them because eventually you're going to deplete yourself on cards anyways. Exactly. Right. But it's it's but it can be used as a justification in certain environments to go. All right. The reason why I'm running this, you know, outside of the counter magic or counter spell mm-hmm. the reason why i'm paying one more is because i'm supporting reanimator yes you will i'm always going to look at this this is a counter spell for three mana right yes. is that great no. no is it playable of yes. course it is right it's no worse than a in fact it's i suppose you could say it's better than cancel right right same cast but you do have the additional you ability have, to be able to this if you want to set up a reanimator right. package or something so kind of when you're payoff. when you're either constructing your cube yep. right or constructing your deck think about why you want to have that buyback in it, right? Why do you want to have that ability for those people to discard? Man, man, Whoever's playing to discard. I want to put this out there. We talked about this in a previous episode in our popper episode. And granted, this is not that case, but buyback can be a very oppressive mechanic. Yes, it can. Uh, it, it, it take you as a curator. I think of all of them, discard it, is probably the least the because it's the most. Makes it, it can still be oppressive, but they yeah. do, they eventually run out of cards. There's, there's plenty. I actually play them in decks um, yeah. where I generate a lot of mana. There's there's plenty of buyback now, for just of mana. Draw, if they got a lot of card draw, you're in trouble. Yes. This card becomes oppressive again, right back. But it's not capsized. I but think it's right from there. a cube perspective, I actually think that the discard from a cube is. The, I, I'm always going to see this card as an enabler. Yeah, it's a nice counter spell, yeah. but I'm going to look at this as an enabler because I'm discarding. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the counter spell is kind of the great. And this next one, we're not really going to go into it in detail. We talked about this in our previous episode with Survival of the Fittest. We yep. talked about that in our reanimator one. Yep. Here's when we get into the weird one. We got the Season Halloblades, and it's for a 3-1 human warrior for one colorless and one white. You get discard a card, tap season hollow blade against indestructible. It's an unusual discard mechanic because it's in the color white, but yeah. there are setups you could do, but you see where it gets a little strange. It's going outside of those colors that 100% want things to be discarded. I mean, it fits I mean, white do, so you, well you because it, or something it's like so that. aggro though, right? I'm going to discard aggro. a card to it's, just it's save this three one. Yeah, whatever. It's I'm just trying to squeeze through damage. Thing. It's just, I'm going to get it through and I want this thing to live. Yeah. So it's, it's a unique way of doing it. And then you got, we talked about in our last episode as well, bone shards, which is the whale blubber talk Austin, weird, hands wide open, weirdo, bone shards. Uh, sorcery. <laughs> it's just gross, but basically as an additional cast to, or additional as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature or discard a card, destroy a target creature or planeswalker for a one uh, swamp sorcery, basically. It's, yeah. it's powerful. You know why this card is super powerful? And it's I'll talk about a card that we've already talked about. What is this card? It is a sorcery. What does our friend Emrakul, the Promised End, have protection from? 
Oh, yeah, instance. Instance. It does kill that, yeah. We, it certainly does. It can. You can it talk, certainly does. So you're, I don't out, know how you're out there that, literally getting that's a little Scott, fringe. Like Scott Staff out there throwing <laughs> whale blubber at Emrakul, the spaghetti monster. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, you got to do what you got to do when things are coming to the you end know why time. I know, you're at the end times. Things listen, are getting weird. The, the reason why I mentioned that is because <laughs> I cut this from an EDH deck. Made you feel bad. <laughs> and it was on the battlefield. And Emrakul was on the battlefield on one of my opponent's side. I had a Tudor in hand. <laughs> Damn it. And I could have tooted for this card <laughs> had I took it out. My nice foil bone shard, but I took it. Yeah, anyway. All right. So, talk. Uh, anyway, we've, thank you. We, we've covered the idea of all the, I don't know, reasons I think you should add this dynamic aspect to your cube curation environment. Players will love it. They and like, the thought process. Players, like, well. the, players like the thinking level exactly. of it. They like the complexity. They like the layers. You know, it's even fun to have these type of mechanics, the discard outlets and discard cards, because even if you're not the seasoned player or you're the curator that's learning, if you put this in the hands of the right players, you'll learn magic better, in my opinion. You I think it's very easy to tell, things. to teach someone, right? Hey, yeah. here's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to show you four cards right or three cards yeah here's a card that allows you to put cards in your graveyard yeah here's a card that allows you to take the card that you put in your graveyard and put it on the battlefield right yeah. like an animate dead yeah here's a card that you can put onto the battlefield from your graveyard here's uh-huh. a gristle brand here's yeah. an archon of cruelty whatever yeah. you know whatever the case may be i think if you can show that to a you new player teaching you yeah. can you can demonstrate the power of this pretty quickly right yeah. especially if you've already made them understand like the natural sort of progression one mana then two mana then three mana and you're like hey you can put this eight mana gristle brand or this eight mana archon of cruelty on the battlefield well i mean really on turn one yeah, yeah gonna, as we talked about, it's available. Pretty simple. All, it's available at all cube levels, meaning powered, unpowered, restricted, right. thematic. Right? There's, there's access to this idea. Uh, as we said before, it feels unnatural to players that are either new to the game or just like I don't know traditional creature turn sideways environments. Yeah, it'll be a little, it'll be a little daunting for them at first, but it's a good way to make your, in my opinion, adding this type of this idea to your cube and curation makes it so that your players become better. Yeah. It forces them to do more in depth play. So you, as a group, you all grow together. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the downsides, and it's the only one that I can think of, besides, it's gonna be, it can possibly slow the play down because the decisions can be challenging. I find myself sometimes getting a little brain freeze over here while trying to make the decisions because I said before, in an EDH-rich environment, you've got multiplayer, you have time to think about it, and 1v1, it's back and forth like a ping-pong table. Yeah, you, you, Decisions have to be on the fly, so it could be a little poppy, right? Uh, I don't mind that. I'm going to put that out there. I don't mind. I don't it mind you, that. It forces you to think a little fast. I don't mind that because, like, I... I'll, I'll say I've talked about fun being a zero-sum game, right? right? But if I see you, I'm playing against you right now, and you just make some crazy cool play, right? And even if it's something fairly straightforward, like you got to, you know, put a gristle brand in the graveyard and then reanimate it, and then you drew sure. some cards, and you do, like that's pretty cool. That's pretty. Cool. It's pretty cool. It's a good learning. It's I ain't, ain't going to be mad at you for doing that. Like fair play to you for for building a deck I that learned, made that I, possible. I learn all the time from watching other players do something. Maybe I don't volunteer the piece of information. I saw Stu do something. I'm like I didn't even know you could do that. If you take but a couple you, of look, minutes you pick, you to do that, stuff, yeah, I ain't going to be mad about it. Um, the other one is that we're going to talk about is just creates dynamic lines and in player involvement. Creates agency. Agency being the big word here. People like modal decisions. People like to have decisions. They don't want to draft on rails. They don't want to play on rails. No. I mean, I can't really. And that and that actually would enhance the fun in your environment by making it more more enhanced interesting right all right uh the other reason why you want to do this is you're seeking answers key pieces to your strategy you're discarding the excess lands you're just getting you don't need any more lands you need to get rid of these get something else give me uh you're setting up the graveyard strategies the reanimators the madness the spells matters 
Delve. Uh, you're delving, as we talked about. Delving is not, you know, a fan favorite with everyone, but it does that. There's a reason why Treasure Cruise and, oh, especially Treasure Cruise, but, uh, you know, Tr- Cruise and Dig Through Time. There's a reason why they were restricted, certainly in Martin. And there's a reason why I'm pretty, uh, they're banned in Martin, I think both, and restricted in yeah. Legacy, question yeah. mark, and Vintage. Uh, well, I don't know. We'll there might be banned. I will check. Someone can, t- can take a look at this. There's a reason why that's so strong, though, right? And then we get Storm Loops that we talked about, the LEDs, the Agmas Wills, and all the above, right? That's right. It's filling your bin and people like doing that but most importantly and this is the thing that i wanted to take away it creates fun complexity and tension and just unique decisions within your environment yep. and it's going to grow your play group by <laughs> unfortunately making them discard right <laughs> the thing that nobody wants to do but yeah. it, 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 your group will be better for it your cube will be better for it by adding this in my opinion i love to draw cards steve loves to draw cards but i, I do. think i don't think that contextualizes and actually grows a player you, you can you can just make, putting cards in their hand. Just putting cards in your does hand not. doesn't make you a better player. A better player. No, forcing you to discard. The decisions. Yeah, the decisions are what, is what make makes you a better, better player. player. And there is like we didn't talk about this too much, but there is risk. And I'll go right the way back to the zones. There's risk because now you are exposing information, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, you're putting something in the graveyard. I got a pretty good that's idea what of what's that's, going on. That's the river we talked about. That's not well, it's not necessarily your board state and center table, but that's the river going back to the Texas. Hold'em. It is. It's now public knowledge. It's public knowledge, yeah. and it can be interacted with, right? And yes, okay, sure, your hand can be interacted with with a thought seize or a mind twist or whatever, but that information is always key. Well, other than that, that's kind of uh, that's kind of the wrap up of just the, an interesting idea that we wanted to push out there to the cube community for new new curators or people who we're just giving them affirmations based on their thought processes as is, or maybe you learned a factoid today. Or, I don't hope know, so. Or maybe you're gonna let us know we missed a factoid. We, we, we'll go either way. But <laughs> I'm other, sure. Other Reach than out that, to us. I'm gonna ask Stu to do the uh, socials for us because he again has it memorized and I'm awful at it. So as always, you can reach out to us we are on the twitters on the twitterverse you can find us at ubercube mtg pod you can reach us via email hit us up ubercube mtg podcast at gmail.com uh we also have our links to the discord on the socials so if you enjoy this episode really hope that you enjoy the content and the same with all of our other uh, all of our other episodes and we'd love for you to go back if this is your first or if you've listened to all of the episodes up until now we really appreciate all of our listeners and uh, we'd appreciate a five-star review on whatever your chosen uh, platform to listen to the podcasts on uh, really goes a long way for us uh, we're we want the exposure that's really what we're focused on uh, we want to you know get the, the the concept of cube and you know we we feel that the content at least the feedback that we've had has been that everyone has felt that they've learned a little bit or they've just got some entertainment out of listening to it so every five-star review and a comment really goes a long way to uh you know putting the content out there to other people interrupt to do a shout out too because uh, you know in the beginning of the episode we opened up talking about chill chill mtg and the, just the cool lines of play and stuff. We do reference some of his work. Yeah. We just get to watch him live. I've learned some cool things from watching him. I highly recommend awesome content you creator. check out his content. Awesome. It's really great. Yeah. I will share that in the show notes. It'll be in our description as well. Other than that, we've got the uh, Patreon that we've talked about. Uh, it's patreon.com forward slash ubercube. Uh, like I said before, we've got some fantastic menus and suites out there. We'd love for you guys to come in and check, come it, check out. it out. See if you got anything you find interesting. We'd love to just incorporate the community into this podcast. And other than that, we say the thing we always say here at Overcube. Happy Happy Cuban. Cuban.